As an industry, we've made it our business to learn about games, how they work, about their resonance, and their successes or failures. But there's a human side to the industry as well. My name is Paul James, and welcome to Dev Diary, a series that explores and celebrates the incredible feats of the people behind the games, as we dive into their stories, the highs, the lows, and everywhere in between. In this episode, I'm joined by Thierry Boulanger, current CEO, co-founder, and creative director at Sabotage Studio. So join us as we explore his journey. So today I'm joined by Thierry. How are you? Hey, I'm great. How are you? Um, I'm going pretty well. It's 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 early morning, but I, I love opportunities to be able to talk to people from, uh, well, nor- the Northern Hemisphere who are, you know, with, with those time zones, it's a little bit harder to access. So I'm, I'm thrilled <laughs> that we get to have this chat. It's great. Yeah, same here, man. It should be fun. Busy day at the moment? Yeah, it's a... Uh... Regularly at the at the office, really, uh, we're just everyone's working and uh, we're just having fun. It's we're living the dream. I mean, you know, working on what's next for sabotage, which we're not ready to announce, but we're still very excited about. So, uh, teamwork and stuff. It's uh, yeah, having a great time so, for sure. So no cheeky exclusives in this one. Sorry, listeners. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so this is Dev Diary, a series where we talk to developers from all around the world about their different experiences through the gaming industry so far. And let's rewind back to, I guess, the very, very beginning. What was your first gaming experience that you recall? The very first was, it's pretty boring, actually. It's uh, Super Mario Brothers 1 uh, <laughs> when oh, I was boring. three years you're, old. Yeah, well, I mean, it, it's you're kind of like an same, easy man. answer, but it's, 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 the, it's the truth. So that's all I got. So yeah, so my, uh, my brother got the NES when he was five um, and I was three years old. So he's two years older than me. Uh, he got that for his uh, five-year-old year uh, birthday. And um, yeah, I just, I played that one first and uh, it just, it's all I ever wanted to do ever since. Also, that was really this formative experience in a lot of ways. I just had this click moment that's hard to describe, but it just kicked into me like and like all my, my body was saying yes, you know, and so I just wanted to play that all the time. And uh, but I wasn't really good at it at first, you know, so he'd tell me like, hey, there's a secret in that pitfall and then I would die and it was his turn and I'd cry, you know, and, and all that stuff. But uh, <laughs> eventually I started playing on my own and, you know, once the tears start flowing, you know, you're onto something, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so what other sorts of games kind of uh, underpinned those early days? Um, obviously, you know, Mario's a starting point, so I'm assuming maybe your Zeldas and other sorts of games. Oh, yeah, of that, of that absolutely. Uh, it was Zelda 2 for me. Uh, it was the first Zelda, which uh, I, is still my favorite one to this day. Uh, and it's kind of a debate because people say it's not a real Zelda or whatever, but like when there was only one and two, I mean, how, how is two not the real deal, you know? So yeah, Exactly, anyway. that's just a matter of perspective at that point. Yep, but I, I really like this idea of like mixing, you know, mixing gameplays and the the world map versus you know the combat areas, and it's kind of something you see maybe more in RPGs. But uh, I really liked Zelda in that in that way. But yeah, so Zelda Two was a big one, uh, and then I had the first Metroid was also a big one. And Contra, obviously, uh, Ninja yep. Gaiden. If we're gonna talk about Messenger, obviously Ninja Gaiden Two was a, a very very big influence. Um, and yeah, another one. That, I mean, so there there was River City Ransom. You know, among those, I, I yep. just wouldn't stop playing when I was young. River City Ransom was a big one. Uh, but yeah, basically all your NES classics are way up there for me. I still have a big collection. I play them every week. so it's uh... Oh, good to see you still go back to them. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. Um, so how did things kind of develop from that point onwards? Was there, was there a point at some stage? Was there maybe even a game or something that triggered it where you thought, okay, I, I, I'd like to get into making games? Mm. The, the one that was really... So Ninja Gaiden, again, was, was a 
really big like it rocked my world completely i was like wow you get to be a ninja you know it was back in the ninja turtles and and you know all yeah. these movies and all that and so it was kind of like it fit right in right and so i started drawing ninjas uh and um, i heard that if you do ten thousand drawings you, you get good and uh in my case that's not true i, I did my ten thousand, and i still draw <laughs> like i'm four um but so that makes two of us <laughs> right and so when i was young i i wanted to do this comic book with, with a ninja character who was fighting with a boomerang for some reason um and uh basically it didn't really pick up right but first because i was seven and uh, yeah. also because i can't really draw any good uh but then that that little world that i started building kept growing in my mind uh and then when i played uh, chrono trigger that that's the moment i think i was probably around i would have been like 10 or 11 and that's when I completely lost it. You know, I was like, wow, this is, this is life, you know? Uh, You're a man after my own heart. This is brilliant. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah. But I was like, okay, like this is, this is too much, you know? And it got me to a point where experiencing it is not enough. I need to share it, you know? Yeah. Okay. And so I started, and so I just played, the, I had this Jeff, you know, this childhood friend of mine who we would just play Chrono Trigger every single day, you know, for about three years straight. <laughs> And every ending and you know deeply in love with the character and the lore and everything and it was just such a big deal and for me it kind of evolved into like experiencing it and, and sharing it was not enough i kind of want to celebrate it i want to add to that yeah. to this thing and it's kind of like I, I think a lot of us you know whether it's you know through journalism or organizing events or being a dev or, or a player we kind of all have our own way of celebrating gaming you know and keeping it alive you know by each bringing what what, what it is that we can bring um, and yeah, so and so basically from there, it, it just became for me. It was oh, maybe this world that I started creating when I was young, maybe I can keep building in it. Maybe maybe I could actually show it to other people one day, you know. Um, and so by the time I was, I don't know, like early twenties, uh, yeah, that was eleven years ago now. I went to study to become a, a dev because I wanted, I always wanted to be a game designer, you know. And uh, but I figured you go in through one of the crafts, you know, and then maybe you emerge once you're ready, you know, through through experience in production. Uh, and so I thought maybe coding is something I can do. So I did that. Yeah, for I was going to say, I did, I did note that you had the, the programming background. So Right, right. Yeah. So th that's how I began. But I was always oriented, you know, in, in the, it's funny because in, in, you know, in art, we, it's understood that there's animators and background artists or riggers or, or modelers, yeah. you know, and things like that. When it comes to coding, it's like you're, you're kind of just a coder, you know, uh, but it has as, as many layers or, or um, specializations, you know, it's like, do you care to do backend you know like servers and stuff do you care to do gameplay to implement ui or or sound design and things like that you know so you can work in in a technical fashion in many branches of what it takes to make a game and so for me it was always gameplay i, I wanted to be really close to the game designers and the game mechanics and the, the actual controls you know and things like that so generating yeah. the, the direct hands-on fun with no abstraction layers you know um so i did that for uh, i think about eight years yeah uh, and then at some point I, w I was like, all right, I guess it's time to, I'm ready to be a game, or at least I, I felt ready to take the shot at being, at doing game design. So I started my own studio with uh, my partner, Martin, and uh, here we are. Yeah. And I guess we'll, we'll continue to slowly work our way towards that point. So uh, what were some of the real things that you took out of that time? So, and it was at Bart College, is that correct? Did you spend it some was, time at? Yes, yes. Uh, you mean studying or? Yeah, when you were studying, yeah. Yeah, so it wasn't a private college, but it was just a one year, uh, you know, because like most people, I have terrible uh, attention deficit disorder, you know? And yeah. so I couldn't, I wanted, at first I was like, oh, maybe I could do the three year thing where you become a programmer and then you slowly specialize in game. I wanted something that was really, it was directly for games, you know, it wasn't like a generic, um, you know, IT or like, a, you know, 
just coding in general. Maybe you can work for the government or whatever. So yeah. I just sat on it because I didn't want to to uh, fail in that dream. And so when that program emerged, I was like, well, it's just one year. It's hands-on just for games, you know, so that I can do, you know, I can sit down and listen for a year. Maybe, maybe I can do that. So that's so what I did. And uh, with just that paper, I, I got my first job. And from there, it was, you know, you, you, I, at least for me, I, I found I learned way more, you know, on the floor in a studio. And I had way more opportunities, you know, of, of understanding how it works inside a studio and then getting, you know, new positions and things like that. I mean, I, I totally understand and agree with that sentiment. Um, I think you know hands-on experience as opposed to being in a in a classroom and studying the theory is always i think an infinitely better and more valuable experience um and it doesn't really matter the profession you're in Mm -hmm. um one thing that i really um took a lot of interest in there and i i think really resonated with me personally is you were talking about that kind of in essence that idea of giving back like you've Mm -hmm. you've you know you've consumed and you've enjoyed and and now this, what you're doing now, and we'll we'll keep building towards that. But is your opportunity to to give back? Um, For sure, yeah. And that I really found that quite interesting. Um, does that continue to serve as like a driving force for you in some ways? Well, for me, and and it's, <laughs> I mean, here it depends how how uh, personal you want me to, to 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 share this. Like, I'm happy to share, but it's it's, it's entirely up to you. I'm, ha- I'm right. Ha- like, not not a problem on the show. That's that's okay. Sure. Cool. No, it's just sometimes they prefer to. The more technical aspect to it but for me for sure like the my the thing that fuels my creativity is vulnerability for sure like it's the number yep. one thing uh and so for me games i mean you know not to dwell on, on unhappy childhood too much but it games were like the safe haven you know um yeah, okay. and in a way like i mean not to exaggerate but it's sort of sort of saved me in a way you know it was a place where i was welcome i was free to experiment i was you know i felt i could accomplish things yeah. I couldn't learn morals through characters and, and develop some models, you know, and, and then have behavior to kind of reproduce in life and see, oh, wow, th- th- does that work out or not? And, and, you know, everything you can learn from those those stories and those those achievements. Yeah. And so for me, I, I, you know, I reckon there must be other people out there who need this extended hand, you know, and maybe they need some virtual world with compelling characters, you know, maybe can be a starting point for some some sort of personal growth journey or whatever you know of getting out of whatever they need to get out of um it certainly did that for me and it's important for me to that's why i try to encapsulate those those things that i learned or the messages i wish i got i got when i was younger uh into games if that makes sense no i think yeah the whole sentiment that whole giving back regardless of the the motivation i think it's Mm -hmm. a it's a brilliant sort of concept and i think it's one that I'm sure that's it's the case for a lot of developers I have spoken to on the show so far, but it's not necessarily right. something we've we've delved into in any sort of great depth. So mm-hmm. I'm, I'm really I'm really glad you shared that with us. Um, so then, as you did begin that journey into the industry, so you've 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 do, uh, done some study there. It was a, a few years of study, or sorry, a year of study as we were just discussing there. Um, yeah. uh, your first your first experiences in development, what were they like, and what were sort of games that you were working on? And I mean, I've, <laughs> I've, I've got a couple names here, and I, like I said, there were some works that involved EA and Activision and right. and Lego Bionicle and those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. But um, care to talk yeah. a little bit about some of those games you were working on early early on? For sure, yeah. So uh, for a long time, I worked at the studio called Freema. It's a studio in Quebec, uh, so Quebec City in the, in Canada, the yep. French part. Um, and uh, it was uh, it ranged from I think when I joined, we were maybe ninety people, and by the end, it was four hundred. So it, it like really grew, you know. Uh, and it was mostly a servicing studio, so they would have you know clients like Nickelodeon and things like that. Yep. You know, you mentioned like Marvel, Disney. Uh, uh, EA, Activision, things like that. So it was mostly Flash games in the browser game years, you yep. know. 
And so for a long time, I worked on, on MMOs for kids, basically. So things like uh, the Little Pet Shop brand for Hasbro, things like that. So it was like really often the kinds of contracts or games that we were making would be like uh, the kid buys a toy and they get a code that they can en enter in this virtual game and then the toy comes alive in a in a social world for kids, you know, with mini games and, and little quests, you know, and things like that. Yeah. Uh, and so, yeah, it was a lot of, I mean, working on, on MMOs especially was... Um, like it was really challenging in many ways in that, you know, when everything is online and you have to always think about like syncing and all that. Security was also a big deal because uh, in making uh, games for kids, you need to be COPA compliant, which is like a norm that, you know, you can't leave your number. You can't, you know, there's some things that you have to do with your chat that can be like just free and open ended because you don't want, you know, yeah. uh, you don't want kids having a bad, bad experience, obviously. Um, and so, yeah, it was a lot of uh, it kind of. It was a hard, not, not hard, but it was like a big clash with my visions. I was like, ah, we'll just make, you know, Chrono Trigger. It's going to be amazing. Fireballs and demons, you know, it's like, hold on. You know, there's <laughs> there's an actual business layer to that, you know, and, and there's people involved and there's a, there's legal ramifications to putting something out there and then, you know, to copywriting laws and, and all of that. So it, it was kind of like the extreme opposite, if that makes sense, you know. Yeah. Because it was almost, because often those games were on uh, from marketing budget, you know, they're putting out a new toy and they just want a game to go along with it, you know. So it was, to be honest, it was a bit far from what I was passionate to set out to work on, you know, which would be like a game that I would myself care to play. Yeah. Um, but still, yeah, it just taught the deep me. End in a lot of ways. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. So it, it, it taught me, you know, a lot of what was around, you know, just the actual game. Uh, and so then, yeah, so it, it was meaningful experience and you also meet a lot of people that was the main like the main pro of 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 going there and and having that job for a while instead of just starting right off to do my own thing is that yeah. you meet people that are cut from the same cloth you know and they have the same grievances about you know uh either the way it's going at a bigger company or whatever which is fine for 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 other people and that's that's cool for yeah. them but then you realize you know we'd rather do this in that way or whatever so then you start your smaller thing and you you can have it your own way you know and I'd imagine some of the connections that you build along the way. You were there for what a bit about seven years or thereabouts. Yeah, seven. Yeah, I think seven years is about yeah. right. I've got two thousand eight to fifteen jotted down on on my little notes yeah. here, so it sounds about right. But um, yeah, that makes sense. Um, what sort of things did you learn from that period? Because obviously, you know, it, they weren't necessarily the chrono triggers or the, the mm -hmm. ninja guides or you know, say the messages, the messages mm -hmm. of the world. Mm -hmm. um, but I'd imagine there was still plenty that you learned from that time. What sort of things did you take from that period? The, the one of the bigger takeaways was since we always had clients you know uh, we, were, we weren't yeah. making our own games I mean the company was in other departments but me personally I was always on, on servicing projects was you know timelines and delivery and 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 you know scoping and and then executing and and so everything that has to do with you know overall like project management and and priorities yeah. and you know and, and other realities of overtime and crunch and all of that which is a big subject these days which is a good thing um, that it's a subject, not that it's happening. Um, and no, so, I, 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 <laughs> I just want to make sure. Um, and so I, I kind of learned about all of that, you know, uh, I, I want to say almost the hard way, but, but, but certainly like in a very real sense, you know, it wasn't just a principle, like, should we do this or that? It was like, no, I, I got to see hands on what happens, you know, because another reality is that, look, we have 40 people on this project and if the client pulls the plug, we lose our jobs, you know? And so yeah. there's kind of two sides to that, that metal, you know, is that in a way, yeah, we shouldn't overwork, but on the other hand, if we get a seven out of 10, then maybe we go bankrupt, you know? So where's the, yeah. you know, where's the middle ground? And I don't have the answer for a bigger company, but, but for us here, it's like, we're just a small team and we do what we feel like doing when everyone agrees, you know, which is something we get to do since we're not even 15 people, you know? Um, 
but yeah, certainly like developing that gear of, because I know that one problem of Indies can be sometimes that you 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 never feel done with your project. You always want to iterate and polish more and yeah. it kind of like never comes out, you know? And uh, as the as the creative head, I, I 100% relate with that, you know? Um, but what, what happened for us is once we got a publisher, we got in servicing client mode, you know? It was like, okay, we're accountable to get this thing out by this date. And so since we had all worked together before in servicing studios, we kind of got into that gear of, okay, now let's break it down, let's prioritize and let's just ship it, you know, on time and on budget. So that, that, was, that was certainly some, some good experiences. It's part of the, the, the arsenal that we have here, you know, is that we all went through that together. So Yeah, you got these experiences you, you kind of unite around and, and use to kind of inform everything you do going forward. Right. Um, so, so things kind of developed from there. There was uh, the Marvel superhero mashes that you mm-hmm. that you messed around with over over the journey as well. That was yeah. uh, was that a pretty brief stint that one? Yeah. Oh, I went for a few months to another studio in uh, in Quebec yeah. actually. Yeah. And uh, you know, I thought ah, I'll just do. You know, maybe I just need to 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 change teams or to change. It was a bit smaller too. It was about 75 people, the, the studio, instead of, you know, yeah. the 400. And I thought, ah, maybe this will make sense. So I was, because the other thing is for me, it happened really fast because the first company, they grew so fast that I was only six months in and they put me in a lead position. So I yeah, was okay. a lead a lead programmer with six months of experience and one month, of, uh, one year of studies, <laughs> you know, and I was and leading you, a team you of feel like you haven't even mastered your craft yet. Yeah, absolutely. So that's why yeah. I developed more into, you know, kind of a, a leadership role and, and, and managing, you know, deliverables and things like that. So that's certainly a big help still to this day. But so by that time, the other smaller company, they were looking for leads. And so I was like, yeah, look, I, that, that's what I do. So maybe I can try it there. I did it for a while. And then I realized, you know, yeah. the, the, the problem is not like it's easy to say, you know, oh, I hate I hate my daily routine. And it's because of the company I work for, you know, so I'll just yeah. change company. It's like in the end, it's always you, you know. So I was like, yeah, doesn't matter if I do it here or there. If I change, you know, three times a year for the next 10 years at the end, I will never be satisfied in that in those positions. And so I was like, OK, it's time I, I start my own thing. Yeah. Okay. So, so in a lot of respects, it was that that ownership that you were kind of craving in some ways in a way yeah and and it was also that that it's there was just a need for for freedom and expression you know and and i felt that so i kind of had in a way i i'm not sure it's the right word but i kind of had some frustration building that i was like look i have ideas like i mean i pitched the messenger to one of my employers and they were like yeah what's the deal with pixel ninjas who cares no one will buy that you know just you know just go back to coding on the floor and i was like okay well i mean i think it's pretty cool i've been thinking about it for like 20 years now and it kind of makes sense just hear me out you know and i was like look no one's gonna hand it to me and i always wanted to be a game designer and i started saying that you know and they were like yeah i mean we hear you but you're kind of like you you're profitable as a lead coder so we'd rather have you stick to that you know and so i was like at some point i just like i realized look if i start my own thing i can get the position that i i want yeah and i thought for me that was the way to deal with that sort of frustration if that makes sense was that instead of always feeling like i'm not getting the shot that i want i'll give myself the shot and then if I fail, then I'll be like, oh, that's why, you know, I need a boss or that, or that's why they were right, yeah. you know, and then maybe I can go back to that and be, and be content that at least I tried. And now I understand why I, I, I should not have done it, you know? Um, but then it, it's, I mean, and it kind of worked, it's, out, it's so worked out. So it's nicely. like, yeah, so, so that's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think it's one of those things, you know, and t- it's that you'll never know thing until you actually take the leap and take the plunge mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. As it turned out, um, whoever that person was that made the comment about Pixel Ninjas is a little oh. off the mark. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, yeah. 
<laughs> but um, so and I might be mispronouncing um or play P L E um yeah play it's it's a uh, yeah it yeah. was it was it was meant to be pronounced like P L A Y basically but just with the yeah. French touch so play is a uh, is a uh, was that yeah. No, it's, it's, thankfully my wife speaks a little bit of French, so she oh, was right. able to, she was able because otherwise I think I might have really done a. <laughs> she was able to help you with the accent on the e there. Yeah, we tend to do that. So, so um, yeah, so that was a gig with uh, Phil. Phil is our uh, producer here at Sabotage, and uh, yeah. it was basically uh, an attempt at uh, going into the business world, you know, because um, I thought, you know, I know who I want to hire for Sabotage, and I know who I want to work with. But it's they're all senior staff and, you know, wanting them to have good work conditions as if they were at Ubisoft or whatever. It was like, it's a lot of money to figure out. And I've never been in business, so maybe I can't actually do it, you know. Uh, And so play was was just a a short gig that with Phil, it was like, look, we'll just start a business and we'll see if we can, you know, find money and operate. And if we can deal with, you know, the the administrative, you know, side of things, you know, like accounting and whatnot. And if. Or if it's totally not for us, you know, I'd rather not make that mistake after like 10 of my friends quit their jobs, you know, to go all in and, and follow us, you know, so. Yeah, and learn the hard way. Yeah, so basically it, it took, I think it was, it maybe lasted about eight months and we had set out, you know, uh, goals of how much, you know, money to to, to raise and, and things to work on and types of yeah. mandates to actually close and, and get paid for and all of that. And so it just, it just felt right. And so after a little while, I was like, okay, that, that works out, so. It's time to start uh, the big studio and all. So what were some of the big biggest things you took away from that time? Because obviously it's it's very different to everything you've done so far. Everything you've done so far is more about the skills and the actual doing the job, you know, making right. the games, right. the, the construction development versus this being, I guess, more leadership focused mm-hmm. and day-to-day mm-hmm. and administrative. Right. Um, what, were some of the, what were some of the biggest things that you kind of took from that period? Well, I mean, the you main feel thing... still help you now. Right. Well, the, the main thing was that it really reaffirmed that I really want to be in games, you know, because play was, was so it was like a gamification agency, right? So it was kind of like applying game design to contexts that are not games, you know? And so it's like, we helped, you know, fundraiser for kids for their breakfast in school and things like that, you know? So they were, they were, they were interesting still, but, but just dealing with, in business where it's really like actual people in suits, you know, and your meetings at the bank because they're sponsoring a thing. And I was like, oh man, you know, that so many layers of bullshit and everything that I was like, okay, I like being in games, you know, where you go to an event and everyone is, is you know, is, is wearing uh, running shoes and t-shirts of their favorite games, even <laughs> if they're higher ups or whatever, like this kind of, yeah, yeah there's something that, that remains very humane or, or like unfiltered about about the gaming industry and and i it really reaffirmed that that's where i want to be you know so i'm not a businessman it's you know it was um it was a necessary evil that i had to like take on like someone had to do it you know and i'm like okay look i'll be the ceo so that i can always make sure that it's not someone we wouldn't like to work for quote unquote you know and then it's all just a team it's all horizontal and we just you know all work together and it's a it's a blast yeah, that sounds awesome. So then all this leads to the, the beginning of Sabotage. So how did it all start to come together? How did you manage to get all the, the, the personnel? Did it always remain that sort of just under 15 number or did people slowly drift in? So at first it was, uh, so I was lucky enough in my career to uh, uh, get acquainted to Lauren Lanning from uh, Oddworld, right? The creative director of uh, yep. Oddworld. And so I was doing in the few months before founding Sabotage, I, I was w- doing freelance work as a coder and I was working for him. Um, 
And he was like, hey, it's pretty cool, blah, blah, your project. And I told him about the project. He was like, I think you should do it. And all. so he basically helped me bootstrap uh, the company by he hired me and our first programmer on the team. So he would work on his yep. next game. We did that like four days a week. And then every Friday we would start working on Messenger. Um, slightly before that though, with uh, Phil, not producer Phil, but level designer Phil, we have two, two yes. Philips here. Uh, so with the level designer, we were working evenings and weekends. So that's during play and that's during the six month gig yeah, okay. at the other studio. We slowly, we were slowly building that. So I was doing game design and code and then Phil was doing level design and uh, placeholder art. Yeah. Um, and then I think it was in September of 2015, I met Rainbow Dragon Eyes, our uh, composer. Yeah. That's the guy I wanted, you know, for two years prior to that, I was talking, you know, at work and I was like, yeah, we'll start this thing. We'll make the ninja game. Rainbow Dragon Eyes will write the music. You know, it was kind of like, yeah, what else won't happen? Grab you know? him and just bring him with you the whole time. Yeah. You're not leaving me. Stay, stay. It was, yeah. <laughs> so that's the thing. It was like part of the thing I kept rambling about, you know, and Silver, our programmer was like, yeah, sure, man, that we, will we then all buy yachts, you know, it's like. <laughs> what else do you want, you know? But it was part of the dream, but, you know? And so he was on tour and, and basically Sylvain, our, our coder, said, uh, hey, man, he, he's on tour, he's playing Quebec, so you, we should go and meet him and you should ask him, you know, should pitch him your demo and all that. So I did just that and it took about one minute. He cut me off. He said, yes, I'll make your music. That sounds incredible. I want to make a 8-bit ninja game written in Family Tracker because it's an actual NES ROM, you know, the soundtrack. Yeah. Um, and so, That's yeah, so from, there, yeah, so from there, we added music to the prototype. Uh, and then that's when I'm, I went to meet Martin. So Martin is Sabotage's uh, co-founder. Yep. So he's all about like, so he had been working at that first company I was at for, he did that, he was there for about eight years, I think. Uh, and he, he was in charge of funding for projects. Uh, because you know how in Canada we have bags of money flying around, you know. Um, yeah, yeah, of course. We have like government funds and things like that. It's kind of, it's, you know, for, for culture, you know, so whether you're doing music or, or you know, uh, film or whatever, so. And so games are part of that. Um, and so that was his mandate, basically. So when we started, it was him. He was working full time on getting it funded. And then me and Sylvain were uh, working uh, almost full time Oddworld and then part time uh, Messenger, yep. picking up the prototype and building it more properly. And then we got funded in January of 2018, uh, 2017. Sorry. Uh, and from there, we just started ramping up the team. We went from three people to basically 12 and uh, over over the course of a year, yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, so given that you know, the the concept of the message for you began really, really early, mm-hmm. um, how how did, I mean, it's it's very hard, I think, for you probably to answer this question specifically, because <laughs> uh, I'm sure so many ideas floated through the head in those early mm. years. Um, how close to that initial idea is the messenger in uh, these days? The The, I mean, what what did you kind of imagine it being when you were younger and how right, right. is what we see now so there was always the ninja carrying the scroll yeah uh there was always the thing that it's it's a it's a, a never-ending cycle and there was always time travel but the humor wasn't there at first uh at first it was yeah, just okay. you know like a badass ninja and the ninja used to fight with a with a boomerang instead yep. of a sword um yeah okay and but that was in my comic, but it, it never it was never a thing uh, in the, in any playable thing, um, and so yeah. And from there, what happened is that I, I started so in wait that was I was probably something like twenty two or twenty three. I, I I was just completely shattered. My nervous system broke down entirely, just yeah, anxiety, okay. depression, and all that. And it's yeah. like you know not leaving my room for weeks, and then not leaving my apartment for months, you know. 
And so this personal growth journey started, you know, I, I, I kickstarted and I started doing that and I was just reading, you know, dozens of books and then, you know, going to therapy and trying to figure this all out and learning about other people, their experiences and all that. And I started using this fantasy world that I had since I was a, a child as kind of like the funnel for as an outlet, I guess is probably the word. But my yeah. English is not uh, very good, but okay. So I think outlet is good, right? And so it kind yeah, of became a, a diary in a way, you know, because journaling is, is one of the things that you learn that it's a great way of, of healing, you know? And I, so I started taking major events or people that had impact, uh, usually negative, <clears throat> and I reframed them all in a way that to have the whole world uh, uh, beat them up, you know, and befriend them afterwards, uh, yeah. <laughs> if that makes sense. And so the the, yeah. the the whole world is basically everything in the game is is a metaphor, you know. And I'm kind of blessed in that is is how the whole team here is is always very you know uh, understanding and they listen a lot and they care and then the care that they put in in execution of of those ideas, I think it it comes through in a way that I'm in the lucky position of being happy with the result, you know. So. Yeah, I, th I think the, the the game's fantastic. I was fortunate enough when uh, just prior to release to be uh, in access of a review code and right. and I, I played that on the Switch. Uh, I think yeah, I, I messed around with it on the Switch, and I'm I like to think of myself as not a, not a particularly creative guy, oh. um, but what that game did and I, the review for those listening still on the Player Two website, so go and check that out. But um, I actually the the whole concept of the message, the scroll and being taken, it actually prompted me to kind of create my review that fit in mm -hmm. that same sort of model. So I created right. like a little, I created a little scroll and I had this whole thing which <laughs> was still, still part review, but also delivering right. a message of sorts. And um, like you, the, a lot of those concepts you're discussing there with things that were kind of flying through the head as I was actually writing that review at the time. Um, nice. So I'm actually, yeah, kind of really glad to then hear that those ideas also began right at the very beginning when you were mm -hmm. first imagining it all those years ago. So it's, right. that's, that's really, really quite cool to me. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm really impressed. That's awesome. Right, yeah. um, now, obviously the game itself was received incredibly well. Um, mm -hmm. How did, how did that then kind of sit with the team? How do you process all that? Cause there was a lot of praise coming yours, right. the team's way at that point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's a bit, um, I mean, that's still hard to, to, described for me uh, what happened is yeah. that I, I after the game released i spent two weeks not not looking at anything uh, yeah. because I, I i really made a point you know having had a, a nervous breakdown once you, the last thing you want is for it to happen again and and so i thought you know there's no way that my happiness or my ego or my satisfaction with myself or anything can depend on the reception you know on the game because there's really only two possibilities, right? One, or, or actually there's three, right? First is that it gets rejected and then that can, that can be terrible for you if you depend on that to feel validated. It can be really well received and then you, you, become, a, you become a douche basically, you know? <laughs> you just start developing yeah, yeah. This, this big ego and you don't, you, know, you don't help the old lady cross the street anymore because you're, you, know, you made this game. Third one is that every, no one cares, you know? And then you feel completely rejected. So I didn't see a possible good outcome, you know, if I didn't detach from their reactions. So I just recentered on myself and I was like, look, I'm, I'm happy with it. And it needs to come from me whether or not, you know, uh, I'm happy with the game, regardless of, you know, yeah, what everyone else thinks. Yeah. But then I thought, you know, yeah. the, the, the real paycheck would be for at least one person to reach out and say like, look, it connected for me, you know, or it resonated yeah. in some way, or it got me thinking. 
or even better it got me crying and that's something we get we receive you know uh, still uh, weekly you know of people they're just like look the story at the end of the game I, was, I just lost it you know and thank you it kind of helped me connect and I, I got thinking and all that so that's that was really like it, it was a it was kind of like the, the stretch goal you know was trying to really convey yeah. I mean it's a it's a game about ninjas and personal growth that doesn't really make sense you know but the, the potential for, for ridicule especially given all the humor that's in the game but no it, it it turns out that people still struck a chord. It, it turns out that people still took seriously the par the parts that should that were intended to be taken seriously. So that for me that was like all I needed. Yeah. Now the um, focusing, I guess, more on the the, the gameplay side of things. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the, a lot of the commentary, um, kind of especially post release, because I think it kind of caught a lot of people by surprise. Right. Was kind of in that back half there where uh, I think people tend to brand, and I don't know what internally um, you and the team kind of describe it as but the the second half there gets a bit more metroidvania-y some people yeah, described yeah. over the journey um right. was that always kind of the goal there to kind of all of a sudden have that little bit of um mm. backtracking and those sort of aspects and elements present yeah so the idea is that it goes from well so at first but that's like way back i mean it's a few years back but uh yeah by the time we started sabotage that 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 was the that, that was the goal from from the start but back in the day when i was like just you know considering all options for a while, I was stuck on this idea of you just come back to the beginning and then you go again with another messenger and it's kind of like endless, but you can yeah. try different paths because they have different game mechanics. And so the yes. idea is that you would do the endless loop until you've done, you've exhausted every single possibility and then then you can break the curse. Uh, but then in thinking about it and, and be, it being becoming more more concrete that we're actually making this, I was like, it doesn't really make sense to replay the same thing endlessly. Like yeah. other than speedrunners, people will, will give up, you know? Um, but for me, it's not like I'm trying to, I guess it's easy to say, but still I'm, I'm trying to make it always a conscious effort not to go for, for gimmicks, you know, and it's just like the yeah. eight and 16 bit, you know, it, it, it's the, it's the eye candy, you know, it's what catches people's attention when they see an ad for the game or whatever, like the trailer sure. or whatever. But for me, it wasn't like, oh, look, we have this gimmick, so it's going to be great. It was just, look, our ninja is time traveling. The 8-bit and 16-bit wasn't there. I was 8, the Super NES wasn't even out, you know? I didn't, th I didn't yeah. invent 16-bit, obviously. <laughs> but the ninja yeah, was already yeah, time traveling, you know? But it's just in production, and once it, it came down to, let's actually make this, for me, it's always story first, you know? We always work from that. And then the team and everyone, we talk together, and it's like, okay, how do we best... Uh, produce that in a way to convey what happens in the story and so the 16-bit yeah. came up just as look it's it's just a real neat thing to portray that it's the future world you know so past is 8-bit future is 16-bit so it's not a gimmick it's a treatment on what happens in the story so in the same way if that makes sense the first portion of the game is linear because you're in a delivery yeah. mission it's like take the scroll up to the mountain i mean that's linear you point go a from point, point a to point b, b yeah, yeah. Whereas once you're done with that and it opens up and it's like, oh, now you got to find all the music notes to create a melody that will break the curse. And it's like, we don't know where they are. And they're not all set on a linear path, on a linear path one next to the other. You need to figure yeah. it out. And so figuring it out and, and looking for yourself. So it's kind of like at that point, the story is better served by that kind of gameplay, if that makes sense. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And that actually really adds that extra layer to it because mm. I think, yeah, when I when I was first playing the game, I looked it through that purely mechanical sense for a little while right. until similar sorts of ideas started to <laughs> start to click in my head um, right. as I was really trying to analyze it for the review. So um, it's really interesting to hear. The game has received DLC. Um, mm -hmm. was Now, I, I can't imagine it was necessarily an idea early on um, because when you're first conceiving this idea when you were younger, DLC wasn't even actually a thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> but uh, 
when did the idea for Picnic Panic actually emerge? Was that during development of the, the core game or was it something after the fact? You sat back and an epiphany came along? or Right. So I'll, I'll give you a little bit of the the bigger... The, the big picture for Sabotage, without without yeah. spoiling the next game, but uh, everything that we'll do is all part of the same universe. Yeah, okay. Uh, all of our games. Now, you can think of Messenger as the Sabotage treatment on the action platformer, right? So it's like yeah. we look at irritants and we try to like modernize a thing that we used to like when we were kids, you know? Now we can do that treatment on the versus fighter. We can do it on the first person shooter, you know? So that's the idea is that we're not, we're not necessarily stuck doing just action platformers or side scroller, however you want to call it. Yeah. Um, and so basically it's kind of like we have this big world with many stories and many characters and all that. And we just told a slice. And if you take, if it was split in book in a ways, you know, the book that has the story about the ninja stop being irrelevant when messenger one ended you know but then yeah, that okay. book keeps going it, it just doesn't have to do with the big picture anymore so that's why it yeah, ended that's what there picnic panic is well yeah and then picnic panic is, is like well and then the ninja moved on and did other things which we can show you just for fun you know as you know palette cleanser or whatever as we wait until the next big reveal so that's how we think of it um, no that's really interesting and it was it's the first chapter of a, of a trilogy actually which is yeah, all okay. optional to the big picture um and it was important for us just to put out some free content because it's like, as you mentioned, the reception was really good, you know. Uh, and it's like, just as a thank you, you know, for everyone who encouraged us. It's like, hey, look, you get more, you get more stuff. Uh, but we, I don't know that we'll do the other two chapters though, but because we're pretty excited about moving on. But uh, we'll, we'll see, we'll see how it shakes out. That's right. I understand the next one, the next, uh, the next game is clearly an MMO, given all your experience. <laughs> that, that, take, that takes a bit of time, and yeah, it's completely understand. Um, <laughs> and I swear I didn't spoil anything then listeners sorry making that up um, so who in this industry inspires you um, you know there are the particular people we've obviously discussed some of the games that maybe just inspired you to get into the industry are there people that you work with or that you look around at throughout the industry obviously um, the games industry within Canada has really exploded in recent mm -hmm. years. Right, right. Um, are there are there people that really inspire you and help drive you and that you look up to and take well, some I mean, sort of inspiration from? Right. Well, so as we touched on earlier, uh, you know, Lauren Lanning, I feel very, very fortunate, you yeah. know, to have, have been put in contact uh, with this guy. He's been like just working under him, you know, was uh, I learned more in six months, you know, than, than probably the, the, the eight years prior, you know. Because yeah. he's always done his own IPs, you know, any intellectual properties. And, you know, he was in the before it was cool, you know, and all of that. He's yeah. really like the... Yeah, so definitely that. And, and, you know, just all that savvy about, you know, the business and, 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 you know, press and all of that. He's just... He was there, you know, at the beginning and he saw it all. He did it all, you know. He, he was in the loop when the ESRB was founded. You know, like things like that. You're like so many stories, you know. Um, so this guy was definitely a, a, a late mentor for me uh which which I, I still very much you know cherish the, the time i had with him um yeah but other than that the, the to be honest I, I i related more to characters and to games and experiences than actual yeah, people understood. it took me a while uh because i grew up in french you know and basically all we yeah. would get was english versions of everything and so you can really consume it until you learn english with which took a while for me to yeah, be course. decent yeah. enough to be able to so when i was like from up until i was like 16 it was just games just fell out of the sky you know and i had no, no real idea of, of what was going on behind uh so it was definitely like a late a late 
I woke up late a little bit on that. Uh, but when I was young, you know, there was for sure there was Peter Molyneux, you know. Um, yes. And uh, absolutely, like, I mean, uh, but the, the old ones, like Bullfrog Years, you know, like Dungeon Keeper yeah. and uh, Theme uh, Hospital. And, good and, choices. That, yeah. Uh, especially, especially Dungeon Keeper, it's fantastic. Right, yeah, yeah. Uh, I, was big on the, I was big on Chris Sawyer too, which I never met or, or saw in an interview, but I just saw his name every time I started Roller Coaster Tycoon. I was like, oh, who's Chris Sawyer? That's so cool, you know. Uh, <laughs> No, but uh, to be honest, other than that, there's there's the obvious Miyamoto and and Kojima, you know, yeah. and, and all that. But I, I wasn't, I don't really. Um, for me, it's more like the people I work with, you know, and the time that we put in, and yeah. and the thing that drives me now is really the team that we have, you know, the artists, what they come up with after I, after I pitch them an idea, you know, what they do, it then feeds back into you know my creative process, and so I'm I'm it's very local for me at this point. I'm I'm inspired by the team basically. No, and that's that's fantastic. But I do look forward to seeing Chris Sawyer in the credits of your next game. Oh, <laughs> that would be amazing. <laughs> he gets oh, a special we'll thanks. He should, yeah, he should get a special thing at least. Yeah. <laughs> we'll we'll add uh, Miyamoto in there as well, and we'll just yeah, all, all that sort of stuff. Um, so as we as we begin winding things down a little bit, um, mm. what have been some of, and I think we've kind of touched on this a little bit through some of the other portions of this interview so far. Um, what have been some of those most valuable lessons that you've learned over the journey? Is there something that someone said that really resonated with you that is kind of just been nagging in the back of your mind that you always think about throughout the course of development for de- for for development itself you mean or anything within this or just in this, life this because business, i guess yeah because yeah, like some of those things are transferable at the end of the day yeah a big one for me that's applicable to almost everything in life is that whether you think you can or you think you can't you're right you know um yeah. that's that was a big one like it was definitely a driver because there's so many moments in in you know, because now we're talking about, hey, it all worked out, you know, and now we're afloat yeah. and it's all good and we're celebrating that and, and it's great. But like the amount of stress and uncertainty and, and all the moments that you almost pulled a plug or thought, is it really worth it? And all that. It's like there was just something I, I just felt compelled to do it and to keep on going and, and being surrounded by people. For me, that was a big one, yeah. not, not doing it on my own, you know, and I have huge amounts of respect for those like single, like lone wolf indies that they just they pull out a game and you're like, wow, how did, did you did that how on did your you own that? for like four <laughs> years with, it seems like no support from anyone. Like for me, yeah. it's really about the team and everyone. And so, no, in the end, that's what it comes back to. You know, it's not about the, the it's kind of cheesy, but when they say it's the journey, not the destination, you know, for me, yeah. it's really every day coming into the studio and being with all my friends and discussing ideas and laughing and seeing what sticks, you know, and then working on that and iterating. And we're just doing something that we are happy with, you know, and the fact that now we have, you know, thousands of people watching it we don't think of it as pressure you know we're like they're probably just curious to see what we'll come up with next you know and if we do the same exercise of working on it until we're happy with it statistically it should hopefully connect should again okay. because it happened once and it's kind of proved that if we're happy with something and then we show it it, it it should you know it should resonate for some people so now we're just really excited to to bring the hype uh, sometime later well, like I said, they're now really excited for that MMO that's on the way. So. <laughs> that's where it's at. I yeah. shouldn't keep doing. Oh, I shouldn't keep doing that. I'll be spreading something that may not, may or may not be true. Um, what have some have been? Uh, what have been some of the biggest challenges that you've had to overcome over the journey? Have there been any? Um, and again, whether that's within development or not, but maybe maybe more of a focus on the development side of things. What have been some of those biggest challenges? Any hurdles that you've had to really uh, struggle with throughout the course of your time with Sabotage or beforehand? Mm. For a while, for me, it was hard in, in production for, for Messenger. It was hard to be uh, being so close to it emotionally. Yeah. 
you know, because that would have been, you know, it's like you're exposing yourself to a level of rejection that's like, if people decide to make fun of it, you know, oh, his stupid stories and his shopkeeper, what's the deal with that? Who's that kid? You know, whatever, don't grow up or whatever. That would have been like terrible, but we were blessed with a good reception. So on that, I think, I think, but that it was a big one. Like for, for a while, I thought, should I, should I tone it down? Should I make it less personal? to help me detach from it, you know, so that I don't take personal reactions to it or whatever. Um, So that was certainly like, uh, that was certainly a concern there. But no, other than that, I mean, it's just the team that we have. We're all friends. We've all known each other for years, you know, and, and, and talking to other indies and sometimes you put a team together and someone doesn't work out or like, you know, uh, things come up for us. It's, we have a, a family vibe, you know, at the office. So, I, we're kind of blessed in that, I guess. It's it's kind of easy on, on that front. But no, getting funded uh, uh, funded at first was a was a challenge for sure. And uh, so props to Martin yeah, okay. there. Yeah, like actually yeah, like, having it because even though we have programs that fund projects, you know, then it becomes a thing where there's so many projects applying, you know, uh, yeah. and then you're pitching a retro game to a fund that's like they want to fuel uh, innovation, you know. And so on the one hand, they have uh, VR projects, you know. And they're not about the gaming yeah, industry then, they're just about innovation. So they're like, yeah, VR sounds way more innovative than what you guys are proposing. And so it took a few rounds to get it, you know, and for a while it was like, hey, we're, uh, we're about running out of money, you know. And, uh, but yeah, in the end, we got a publisher and uh, it all, everything worked out. in, saves the day. Yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I think part of this will be fairly, I think, obvious, maybe for listeners, myself even uh some of the highlights along the way what have been some of those real moment uh those moments that just will st- you feel like might stick with you forever the i mean definitely being like the at the game awards in in la yeah uh, and shaking uh cory barlog's hand uh the game director for god of war yeah, and, god and of war. being like hey you know i'm terry we made the messenger and he goes like oh yeah man the messenger this game is awesome i was like what no way you know i was oh, wait, like you played I, my game i i'm like i can't believe like you you even care to look at it you know and he's like what you think we just played triple a games and then we like we're snobbing like indies or whatever i was like no <laughs> now that you mention it you are a human you know <laughs> and yeah. so no so that that was yeah that was definitely a highlight uh the ninja gaiden guys playing messenger and and uh, oh that'd be awesome because because we went to bit summit uh this year but last year and so the director and composer they were at our booth and playing the game and we we're just eating outside and and nigel from devolver goes hey the ninja gaiden guys are playing your game so we just barge in you run know? out there drop yeah, everything. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so they played it for a while and they and they said you know we feel a lot of love but it's definitely its own thing and so you know getting their blessing in a way to kind of like yeah pay homage to what they did but they still recognized it and then they wanted to take a picture like they were honored for some reason like it wasn't supposed to be us that were honored you know uh, so then i went to cry in in the bathroom and uh, for 15 minutes and all of that so that was <laughs> another highlight for sure yeah uh, no that, they're all fantastic um <laughs> and yeah i mean it it's easy to, I think, for consumers or you know, you know, smaller like independent developers to maybe fall into that trap that you know, thinking because, and we, I'm talking about the Corey Barlog thing here, mm-hmm. that the 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 bigger AAA developers may not get the time or whatever it is to, to experiment with mm. with a variety of different titles. But I mean, right. from the various interviews that I've had with a few people over the journey and others that I've listened to. Um, I, I hear so many stories about you know I, I tried this little this little game you know Game X here and that actually inspired this idea and this idea and, and mm. they're still pulling on all these different threads from t- other AAA titles, smaller right. indie titles, like, and it all kind of culminates in 
in their mm-hmm. their current work in some way. So mm-hmm. um, I'm glad that you kind of got that moment with Corey yeah. and presumably several others as well yeah. um, to be able to kind of get that sort of uh, maybe validation is not quite the right word, but um, it is in a way though reassurance. Yeah, 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 yeah. because because there's always this. I mean, you know, after the, the reviews that we got, I thought I would be like, hey, I'll be so confident on the next one, you know? <laughs> yeah. You know, I'll just yeah, be so- from the get-go. It's like, I'm so legit. We're so good. We got this. It's like, no, it's all the insecurities are still there, you know? And that's also a big part of it is that you meet those people and they all have the same, you know, they all have the same, I don't want to say issues. It's just part of the Baggage. craft, you know? Yeah. And I think yeah. in, in the, the the day that you don't have those uncertainties anymore is when you get too confident and then you don't, you don't, put your heart on the table enough and, and yeah. no one can resonate with what you make, you know? Yeah, it's that emotional investment that still comes Yeah, there has to be important. some personal risk, you know, to to yeah. to creating some, some vision, you know? Yeah, that, that, there's a lot of sense in that. Um, so I think we've, yeah, we've kind of discussed this a little bit, but, but what do you see the future holding for you personally going forward? So obviously you've, there's, a, there's a follow-up project that you're working on, um, mm-hmm. the MMO. <laughs> yes the infamous uh, but, MMO the, but uh, yeah where do, where do you see things kind of evolving from here for you well I mean I, I just hope that, that it's it's a I mean wow that's a, that's a good question I mean in it, all, all I want is for all of this to stay right here you know it's like we're with the right people you know we're building worlds yeah. together we're sharing them we're showing them to other people um, and I, to be honest I mean at the moment it's pretty much all I can ask for, you know, we, we, uh, the next game we're working on, I hope, I hope the response will be as good. Obviously it would be, it would be great to be able to make even more games after the second one, you know? Um, but no, we're going all in. And, uh, for me, this production, I'll be focusing more on writing and directing instead of also coding and also producing and also, you know, so that's, that's another of the advantages that now we're good. So we have the full team that we need and all the roles are filled so that we don't, each of us has to wear five hats, you know? So now it's more like streamlined and we, we have more breathing room and a more stable schedule, yep. you know, and things like that. So that's good for sure. So obviously, so obviously um, some things, some people might come and go for necessity, but is the is the goal to still keep the team roughly the same sort of size it is now? Or do you, yeah. do you, do you see maybe a little bit of growth? Um, the know, the idea is... For example, uh, or? Yeah, well, the, the idea for us is to never be more than, than 15 uh, people. Right. And, and that was from the get-go, that was like a guideline with Martin. It was like, look, we'll never go above that. And just from managing teams, like, I mean, eight years as a, a lead dev is, 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 uh, is not insignificant, you know. And I yeah. tried different sizes, different team sizes. And just to maintain the, the good vibe, you know, and, and truly be in touch on a personal level with everyone, you know, and, and always be on top of everything that's happening and, and just being happy to be there and th- instead of it becoming a burden where you need to like have tasks and like a chain of command and whatnot. 15 is like, is where it's at, at least for me, for us, you know, it, it works out. So that's where we want to be. And then <laughs> if, if the game is bigger, we just take longer to make it, you know. Uh, so that's the that's the way that we, we see things moving forward for sure. Nope. I think I think that's great. Everyone has their sweet spot, and you yeah. uh, you and the team seem to have found it. So that's that's great. Yep. Um. And I mean, one of the things that I probably should have addressed before when you were talking about it, um, like the the fact that you and the team work on a level, yes, as a team of developers, but it seems like it's it's a relationship that exists beyond that as well. I think mm-hmm. is is awesome, and the fact mm-hmm. that it, I think it creates this great culture, which then results mm-hmm. in titles like The Messenger, which is. Yeah, one. I mean, one of the best games of that year. 
So, in in, <laughs> no, my, in my personal <laughs> humble opinion, right. um, and I think that uh, those sort of things can only come from having that that dynamic exactly right, whether that's uh, mm-hmm. just internally, but ideally even external to what you're working on. Right. It's also that it forces us in a way to to have a scope of game that everyone can be on top of. You know, yeah. if the team gets too big, then or bigger, then the scope gets bigger, and then you have people who only care about one in silo, you know, a few systems within the game. And, but now the way we work is that we can just call a meeting with everyone and everyone is aware of everything, you know? And so everyone is always on top and, and, and building on the same ideas and challenging each other and all that. So yeah, it's definitely the dynamic that for us, it works out perfectly. Yeah. And if, yeah, it doesn't hurt to, to ask a question, even if it's not an area of strength, personal strength in terms of, you know, uh, skills and Mm. no real harm done. Exactly. That's great. Yeah. Um, so before we kind of get into the very last bit here, I've got one final kind of question for you. Okay. And given everything we've discussed, I feel like I've got a rough idea. Um, but if you could be credited for any game that's ever been made, so your name appears in the credits just like uh, Mr. Sawyer that we discussed before. <laughs> um, is there a game at all that you, you know, anything through history that all of a sudden your name is in those credits that you were in part responsible for? Oh, to be in part one? responsible yeah. for it? yeah. Is there so you mean sorry so you mean if I could turn back time and and have played a role in a game yeah yeah exactly oh Chrono Trigger for sure good choice yeah yeah, yeah. yeah so it's my number one up. in my top five it's the number one but there's like about eighty five empty empty spaces before number two like Chrono Trigger is, oh, okay. is yeah it's uh, it's out there I I genuinely love it in the true sense of the word. No, that's that's fantastic. It's uh, one of my favorite games, personally, of all time. Um, I think all right. for me, it's probably number two. Number two, Wh- but I'm, which I'm one's a big sorry? final. It's for me. It's probably number two. Okay. But I'm I'm a big fi- I'm a big Final Fantasy Nine guy. So oh, nice. Uh, okay. So it just sits second second in that pile. But it's a br- <laughs> brilliant, brilliant game, and I I adore it very dearly. It was one of the first games I ever played. So wow. Um, it really jumped in the deep end there with a super deep RPG, but. <laughs> I wouldn't have had it any other way in retrospect. Yeah, that's a good one for sure. So if anyone wants to reach out to you, the team, um, learn more about the game, yep. where would be the best place for them to go? Uh, easily the best place is uh, our Discord. So discord.gg slash the messenger in one word. Yep. Uh, the whole dev team is there. Uh, we have the we have characters from the game who interact in their dialogue boxes, like in the game. Oh, that's awesome! They they animate the community, and they, there's a, there's even an ARG going on. You know, the alternate reality game. Yep. So we have characters, and there's like intrigue and things to figure out, and special events here and there. And the shop opens uh, about once a month, and uh, the shopkeeper is there, does one on one time uh, with with one lucky messenger every time and uh, they get on the website there's a talent tree for perks for the community that they get to buy with time shards that they collect every day uh, so yeah no it's uh, we're doing cr- quite a, an interesting thing with the discord and the team is there is you, you can ask questions brilliant. directly to us and uh, we're there that is one of the <laughs> coolest things that i've heard like I, i'm not the biggest discord guy like I, i've gotten on it and i interact with it for the purposes I might need to interact with it, but right. that's that's a whole other layer, and I think that that is <laughs> awesome. I'm gonna have to jump on and have a bit of a look now. All right. Uh, uh, if people are looking to interact with you a bit more directly, Discord would still be the best place to go. Discord is a very good place. Uh, on the Twitter, I'm at Sabotoy. S A B O T O Y. I'm happy to take you know questions by DM or whatever. Um, but yeah, that's that's uh, probably the, a good place. Uh, there's also at Messenger Game on Twitter if you want to follow us for like yep. you know news and shenanigans. 
but yeah, other than that, I mean, yeah, feel free to reach out. We like to be in touch. We like to be with, with the community, you know, and uh, yeah, we love what we do and, and so, we, we love our fans. Fantastic. And as always, uh, thank you very much for joining me on the show today, sharing yeah. your story so far. And uh, let's, I guess, look uh, as listeners and myself chatting to you, uh, we're all looking forward to seeing what comes next from you and the team. And I can't wait to play that MMO. <laughs> all right, cool. Hey, thanks for having me. Uh, Thank you, as always, listeners, for listening to. See you next time. That concludes this entry of Dev Diary. Be sure to subscribe to this feed, share with your friends, and give us a five-star review to help boost the show up the charts for greater exposure. If you have any people you would like to reach out to an interview, then please find me at Paul James Games on Twitter to help me get in touch with them. Until our next episode, however, that's been Thierry's story... Thank you very much for listening, and I'll see you next time.